We started a series a few weeks ago entitled Burning Questions, and we gave you the opportunity to ask questions. And uh, like my dad used to say, the only bad question is a question not asked. And uh, I knew what he meant by that. Um, I'm not really fully sure that I totally agree that every question is good, but... (laughs) But, uh, but I, I think we need to ask questions. We need to be willing to ask questions. We need to be willing to ask God questions because God can handle it, and God has answers for our questions. And so um, we need to be willing to, and many of you have done that, and so thank you for being willing to do that. Um, we are, uh, have been diving into some of these questions and looking at them and, and uh, again, um, realizing that we're only hitting the tip of the iceberg. My, my job is not to give you all the answers, because I don't, I don't have them all. Um, I, I'm, just, uh, I'm just a human being. I'm just a guy who is trying to follow the Lord in my own life, and, uh, and I struggle in my own sin, and, and, and I'm just, just a guy who's here to try to help you and to guide you to the one that, who can answer your question. And so I'm only going to be able to hit the tip, tip of the iceberg. And, and honestly, in 30 minutes, that, that, that's just unrealistic to be able to think that somehow we'll be able to get deep into these answers. Um, it really is up to you. You can strive for yourself to find answers. You yourself can get into the Word of God and read it and, uh, and ask God to, to lead you and direct you, and, and He will if you're willing to, to, to listen, if you're willing to, to really seek after Him. He says you can find Him, uh, and, and so He's not somehow hidden uh, so that we can't find him. He wants to be found. He wants to be in relationship with you, and he loves you. And, uh, and so he's given us his word in order to help us find those answers. We ask two questions back to you because these two questions are vital in relationship to answers that we get from God's word. Number one is, do we believe that God's word is true? Do we believe that, that his word is true and is applicable to our lives? And that the answers that we find in his word are from him and are true and can be applied to our life, to, to our lives, to the lives of others around us, to any situation. Do we believe God's word is true? And then secondly, do we believe that what God has done for us is enough? Do we believe that God, what God has done for us is enough? Because as we talked about already, back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, these two things are on the chopping block in the minds of Adam and Eve. God's word is not true. He's a liar. He's holding out on you. He doesn't, he, he, he's trying to reserve stuff from you and keep stuff from you. And he, what he's done for you is not enough. And you need to do more. And, and, and so Satan tricks them into thinking that's true and he gets them to sin. And, and as a result, sin now has affected all of us and we all struggle with these two answers to these two questions. Is God's word true? And is what God has done for us enough? And, and just to illustrate for you, I'm, I'm going to give you some statements about what God says about who you are. Now, this is not whether or not you have accepted these or you believe it or whatever. This is straight from the Word of God, as a result of what Christ has done for you, these statements are true about who you are, about your identity. Whether you've come to understand them or not, whether you've come to acknowledge them or not, whether or not you you even accept it or not. Here's what God says about you. I am a new creation 
of great worth. I am a new creation of great worth. I am deeply loved. I am deeply loved. I am completely forgiven. I am completely forgiven. I am fully pleasing to God. I am fully pleasing to God. I am totally accepted by God. I am totally accepted by God. I am absolutely complete in Christ. Those are just a few, but those are identity statements from God's word that he says about us if we know and have come to understand the relationship that we have with Jesus because of what Jesus has done, these things are true in our lives. The question is, is do you believe it? Have you come to understand these things as real in your life? Because if not, you are going to strive all your life to try to figure out who you are. And, 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 it's going to have, and it's going to be impacted by whether or not you believe God's word is true and whether or not you believe that what he's done for you is enough. So, so look, at those, look at those statements. Some, in, a, in a first service, several people took out their, their uh, phones and took pictures. That, uh, whatever. If you do that, take the pictures of those, not me, because I'm not going to help you. Um, that'll help you. Do you believe those statements? Do you, do you, do you, do you would you say, yes, I, I, that's who I am? Now, you may not live like that all the time. You may not choose to always believe that because... Because let's just, be, let's just be real. We have an enemy who whispers in our ear all the time the direct opposite of all those things. And, and his whole bent is to get you to question God and question his word and, and destroy your life. That's what he wants to do. And so right now, some of you may be struggling and going, whoa, wait, deeply loved by God of great worth? Maybe, there, maybe, maybe you've got people in, in your life who are telling you how unworthy you are or unloved you are or how unforgiven you are or, I, I don't know, uh, go through every single one of these, how unaccepted you are, how incomplete you are. That's not from God. I don't care how much that person that has said those things into your life that says, yeah, I love Jesus, they're a fallen individual too. They sin. They have, they're messed up in their own lives. I don't care how nicely they think they look on the outside. They still have problems. And, and, and so am I going to believe what others have to say about me? Or am I going to even believe what I think about me? Because let's be honest, the, the, the one who talks to you the most is you. Or maybe that's just me. I, I don't, maybe I just talk to me all the time. Does anybody else have a struggle of talking to yourself all the time? Okay, thank you. Thanks for being honest. I appreciate that. We do. We talk to ourselves all the time. We talk ourselves into stuff, and we talk ourselves out of stuff all the stinking time. And you know what? That's influenced. That's influenced by what other people say. That's influenced by what the world and the culture around us says. That's influenced by, by all kinds of things. Do you believe these statements to be true of you? Turn to, turn to a neighbor, look them in the eyes. Don't, you don't need to answer this. Just say to them, do you believe it? Go ahead, say it. 
tongue. Do you believe it? Don't answer it unless you want to. Do you believe it? So here's the beauty of, of what happens when we believe it is that God does something in our life. Romans, if you would, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. It'll be up here on the screen as well. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. What happens when we believe it, when, when we truly believe it and come to understand it, is, is this. For all who are led by, notice this capital S spirit, the Holy Spirit, by all who are, who are led by the Holy Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. What's that talking about? That's talking about going back into a life of sin that only leads to fear and to emptiness and, and to, to, to dissatisfaction and, and to everything opposite of what all of these statements are. God is, is not giving you that spirit. But what you have received is a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, and guess what we get to do? We get to cry out to God, Abba, Father. That word Abba means daddy. And we get to look at God as our daddy. And, and I don't know if you've had a bad or, or, or just an awful earthly father or not. I, that isn't, I'm not here to, to talk about that. What I do know is, is you have an awesome heavenly father who loves you and, and cares for you and has given his life for you, and you get to call him daddy. And you get to, you get to cry out to your daddy in heaven, and he loves you completely and forgives you completely and longs to be in relationship with you, and so he sent his son, Jesus, to die so that you can have life. So, question number one that we're dealing with today is, can a child of God lose their salvation? Can a child of God lose their salvation? The answer to that is no. All right, Aaron, come on up. Let's worship. We're done. Just kidding. Uh, no way. I'm not, I'm not stopping there. The answer is no. You cannot, as a child of God, lose your salvation. Why? Because it was never yours to lose. God gave it to you. You didn't work it up in order to get salvation. You can't work it down to lose it. Oh, I've done all these good things, so I must have gained salvation. No, you did not. Well, if I do all these bad things, then I'll lose my No, it's not based on what you have done or don't do. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus Christ paid it all. And I love what Philippians 1.6 says. It says, and I am sure of this, he, that's Jesus, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. God will finish what he started in you. This isn't, this isn't you getting to finish you, it's God getting to finish. He's the one that gets to bring you to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. At that last day, those last days of this earth, you and I will stand before God and it is not on us, it is on what Jesus Christ has done. And the beauty of that is, is that you and I can know that we have a relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, notice what it says. Looking to Jesus. Notice it doesn't say looking to Jason. By the way, that's my name. 
looking to Jason. Put your name in there. Put your name in there. Looking to whatever your name is. Put it in there. No, it doesn't say that. Because if it was, if it was left up to you, and it was left up to me, we would have lost our salvation a long time ago. But it's not up to me. Looking to Jesus, who is what? The founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the founder. He's the perfecter of your faith. Not you. Not me. Not, not some other pastor or missionary or whatever. It is Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he alone, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. A very famous verse that, that many of us know or maybe we've seen on signs or whatever back in the day at football games, John 3.16, For God so loved the world he gave his only Son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It does not say should not perish but have temporary life. It does not say should not perish but will maybe have life. You have eternal life in Christ. What an awesome God that you and I serve that he gives to us the gift of eternal life. And that's not something that you get to take away. That's something that somebody else gets to take away from you. Uh Uh-uh. It is God and God alone who is the giver of that gift. But, But here's the thing. Just because we don't lose our salvation doesn't mean I get to go and live however I want. That's, that is like, that's crazy. That's like slapping somebody in the face. They give you a nice gift, and you go and take that gift, and then you do crazy stuff with it. It doesn't even make any sense. I, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but it cracks me up on Christmas Day when I had, we had little kids. We would give them gifts. They would set the gifts aside and play with the box. Man, why don't we just wrap up boxes and just, that's a whole lot cheaper. I'm just saying. Jesus did not give you the gift of eternal life so you could just set it aside and play with the box. He wants you to experience all that he has in store for you. And the only way that you can do that is by living for him. That's why Paul writes and he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation. What does that mean? That means to intentionally live out my relationship with God moment by moment. That, that word work out, that phrase work out is, is intentional. It is the idea of exercise, of intentionally doing something for the outcome that we're looking for, and that outcome is to live for Jesus. Notice though, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
That fear is not I'm afraid of God, I'm afraid of what he's going to do to me, or I'm afraid of what could happen. That's not a, fe- that's not a healthy fear. This is a respect and awe. I am in awe of this God, this I am that we're, we're singing about, that we're worshiping, that we're praying to. I'm so in awe of him. I am so respectful of him. I want to live for him. And so I, I, I am with fear in awe of God, and I tremble. And this, this word tremble, it has the idea of shaking due to weakness. Shaking due to weakness. Some of y'all that have worked out, exercised, whatever, you get to the end of your workout, and you are shaking with weakness because you have laid it all out on the table for, for whatever it is that you're going for. Same thing with God. I'm, I'm living, I'm striving, I'm trying to live for him. Listen, you and I cannot do this on our own. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So this, this trembling is the idea that I need to be completely, completely dependent on God and his strength. Because it's God who does this in me. It's God who is alive in me. And, and that's the, Galatians 2.20, is, it talks about that. This life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, that's what I strive to do is I live for him. Why? Because I love him. Because, because I get to. I get, to, I get to live for him. I get to strive to live for him. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it perfectly. That doesn't mean that, that I'm going to have all my ducks in a row and all my I's and T's dotted and crossed exactly right. I'm going to mess up a lot. But guess what? God's grace and his mercy is greater than my sin. And he is able to help me even in those times that I'm going through uh, uh, craziness in my life. Because let's, be here, let's just be real. The relationship that we have with Jesus is not just a straight yellow brick road sort of thing. It is a crazy roller coaster that we're on. How many of y'all like to ride roller coasters? How many are deathly afraid of roller coasters? How many of you ride roller coasters and then puke? Um, all right. No, don't answer that. That's me. Um, I love roller coasters. Why do I love them? Because there are times where you're, you're going up the hill and you, you can look out and go, wow, it's so beautiful. And then you come up over the hill, and then it gets crazy. It gets crazy, and there's turns, and there's twists, and there's hidden things. And sometimes you see things coming, and sometimes, I, we were just on one, it's called the Velocicoaster, it's, it's down in Florida, and it's amazing, you go 75 miles an hour, and at one point you're upside down, and you're flying over water, and, and, and it's like, what am I doing? I'm going to die! And that's what life's like. It just is. And we have those times where it's just like, wow, this is so cool. And then other times, I mean, there was a guy behind me, and I swear this guy was huge, huge dude. And, I, and he is back behind me screaming like a little girl the entire time. It was hilarious. This other guy that's next to me, he's a big guy next to me, he's like, dude, that was so awesome. And I'm like, that, yes, it was. Uh, you know, I, I just, I had to do that. I had to. It was great. He started laughing. Anyway, um. No, it is. It's like it's a craziness roller coaster. It's not just some yellow brick road. And you and I can't do it alone. That's why we need his help. That's why we need his strength. That's why we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because we need God. Need him desperately. Need him desperately. 
And, and here's the beauty of it. Romans 15, 4 says this. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. Where do we, where do we learn about that? The word of God. And the question number two that, that goes along with this is, since we live under the grace of the New Testament, how and why is the Old Testament still important? So we have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament in, in our Bible. Why is the Old Testament still important? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us this. All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful. Not some of scripture. Not just the New Testament, not just the words in red, the whole thing is breathed out by God and is useful, every single bit of it. I mean, as, as we look back and we read through the Old Testament, one of the beautiful things of the Old Testament is that it completes, it, it gives us a foundation, and then the New Testament completes it. It's like, it's like a hand and a glove. They just go together, and you can't have one without the other. And the beauty of, of what we read in the Old Testament is we see foundations laid for us and our faith and our belief, and we see them in stories of, of people like David, and people like Joseph and people like, like Joshua and, and others who faithfully obeyed God and yet at times struggled in their life. And the beauty of the Old Testament is, is it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't make it out like, oh, well, these people. And if we look at in Hebrews chapter 11, all these individuals are listed in the hall of faith. It's like the Christian hall of fame. And we look at it, and we, and we look at their lives, and man, most of them, with the exception of Jesus, lived a messed up life. And yet, they strove, and they would strive to live for Jesus, live for God in every way, and yet, we still see the reality of sin in their life. And, and, and I, lo I love what even God says about David. David, who, who sinned in his life, who even had a man murdered because he wanted to take his wife he is called a man after God's own heart. What? Why? Because God's grace and his mercy is bigger than David's sin. And it's bigger than mine and yours. And we learn that from the Old Testament. And we even see stories like David and Goliath. And yeah, maybe God is, is never going to ask you to pick up five smooth stones and go out to a river and fight a giant. You're right. That's probably not going to happen. But what does it tell us about this God who David served? Man, he's able to do anything. We look at, at Joshua and, and the wall of Jericho. Yeah, God's probably not going to ask you to march around Sterling and Rock Falls and, and, then, and do that once for six days and then each day and then on the seventh day seven times. And then he's not going to probably ask you and all of us to yell and scream and blow some horns and the whole city is going to fall. That, that's not probably going to happen. That's kind of like, whoa, that's wow. But what, but what do we learn about God in this? What we learn is, is that God is very much into the details and demands obedience even down to the littlest of things. Little things matter to God. And, and so, yeah, there's principles. And, and then 
And then just, that's just part of it. Then you look at all of the prophecy that is in the Old Testament. And let's just talk about the prophecies about Jesus. Do you know in the Old Testament there's over 300 prophecies about Jesus? What was a prophecy? A prophecy is, is, is God giving, giving people a look into what the future is going to hold. And this is in particular about Jesus. And, and do you know what the mathematical probability of a person fulfilling eight prophecies about themselves is? One times 10 to the 17th power. That's one with 17 zeros after it. You're like, well, that's a big number, and I don't think I even can comprehend that. I can't either. So some scientists and some statisticians and mathematicians got together, and they decided, and they figured out, here's what it would look like as a word picture. If you took the entire state of Texas, filled it two feet deep with silver dollars, can you imagine the entire state of Texas with two feet deep of silver dollars? That's crazy. And then you took one silver dollar, and you put a black X on it, and you threw it out into the middle of the state, and then you took all the silver dollars and you, you went and mixed them all up. You mixed them all up. And then you took a man or a woman, whatever, and you blindfolded them and you said, start walking. And you get one chance to pick up the silver dollar with the black X. That is the same as 1 times 10 to the 17th power. Mathematical probability. That's crazy. That's for eight prophecies about Jesus. Do you know how many Jesus fulfilled about himself? 300. There is no, they don't even have a mathematical number that they can put with that. Where did all that come from? From the Old Testament. Fulfilled in Jesus. What an incredible what an incredible God. What an incredible book. What an incredible thing we have sitting right here in our laps, on our phones. It's everywhere here in the United States. We can't get away from it. We can get access to it anywhere. And what's awesome is that even in the New Testament, do you know that the New Testament quotes the Old Testament 283 times? One out of Every 20 verses in the New Testament is a direct quote from the Old Testament. And if that's not enough, you're like, oh, well, that's, that's all nice and good. Jesus is being confronted by Satan. Remember at the end of the 40 days? And he is being confronted by Satan, being tempted by Satan. What does Jesus do to combat that? He quotes what? The Old Testament. He quotes the Old Testament to defend himself against the enemy when he's being tempted to sin. That's crazy. But that's God, and he loves you and I, and he's given us this incredible book so that you and I can have everything we need for life and for godliness. See, the problem isn't whether or not God has given us this or not. The problem is you and me. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. It says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. 
With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have, look at this, I have stored up, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Question that I have for you that's just so vital that you alone answer is are you storing up God's word in your heart? Here's, here's what I can tell you. I'm gonna, I want you all leave, go ahead and leave that verse up. All those statements that I gave you earlier, here's the bottom line. If you're not storing up the word of God in your heart, you will have you will have such a problem with ever accepting those statements that I gave you earlier. Why? Because if you're not filling your heart with truth, your soul with truth from God's word, you are filling your soul with something from somewhere. And here's what you need to know. Satan will use anything and everything to get you to fill your soul with anything but the word of God. Why? Because he hates your guts and he wants to destroy your life. Are you filling up your soul? Are you storing up in your heart, in your soul, the word of God? Jay, how how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, one of the ways that you do that is by reading it. You gotta read the word of God. If you want to know and store up in your heart the word of God, you've got to read the word of God. Another way to do it is memorize the word of God. Memorize the word of God. You you need to be memorizing verses. You don't gotta know all the address and all that stuff. You can even throw in a little Borton paraphrase with you or whatever your last name is. And, you know, that happens. Um, My word, some of y'all have learned in this version and that version. Okay, big deal. Read the word of God, memorize the word of God, and the beauty of that is is that God will bring it up exactly when you need it. Another thing you can do is listen to it. Listen to the word of God. Listen to it as you're reading it. God, I'm listening. Speak to me. Nowadays, we even have the ability through our phones and through other things to listen to the word of God being read to us. That's an awesome thing I would encourage you to do. There's a great app that's called Dwell. D-W-E-L-L, great app. Uh, the Version Bible or the Bible app, incredible. Uh, what an awesome thing. I would definitely encourage you to get that. Um, listen to it. Read it. Memorize it. Write it out. Write it out. If you're not journaling, think about journaling. Writing it out. If you're like me, don't write it out with your pen and paper. Don't do that because you can't read it. <laughs> I type mine. Um, that's my writing out. Uh, and so write it out. Talk about it with people. Talk to other people about it. Talk to them about what you're learning, what God's showing you. Talk to them about what you read and, and that sort of thing. Study it. Meditate on it. Again, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and, and meditating is, is actually the word picture of a cow chewing its cud. Why is it doing that? To break it down into bites so that it can digest it. Same thing for you spiritually. Those are all ways that that you can hide, that you can store up the Word of God in your life. Here's the deal. It is not enough just to do it once a week on a Sunday for an hour. 
It is not enough. I dare say that if you were to eat a meal, one meal a week, for and and it's not a a seven-course meal. It's just a one-course meal. We're here for 30 minutes, y'all, and and that's it. Um, A little course meal, maybe maybe like a microwavable dinner, which is, oh, by the way, Y'all, something's wrong if you're eating those. Um, I yuck. I no judgment. I'm sorry if you're eating those. Bless you. Um, but if that's on a regular basis, man, I hope you got some Metamucil or something. Um, but seriously, if we're just living off that, mm, no. God's word is meant to be read and meant to be stored, moment by moment, day by day in your life? Are you storing up the word of God in your heart? Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Listen, I I don't know your heart and I don't need to. Um, I'm not your judge. I'm not your, I'm not your jury. I'm I'm not your executioner. I'm not any of that. I'm, I'm just a guy who, who's striving to live for God. And I, I don't do it perfectly. I, I mess up a lot. But I praise God for his grace and his mercy in my life. And maybe you're here today and you're going, you know, I, 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 need, a, I need to, I need to, I don't know, I need, I need someone to pray for me. I, I need someone to, to help me. There's some individuals that are here at the front. There's some that are at the back. And you also maybe came with somebody. Um, you can turn and talk to them. Maybe you're just here and you're going, you know what, I, I, I'm just going to do business with God right where I'm standing, right where I'm at, and that's okay too. There's no judgment here. There's no, we're not about heaping up shame on you or anything like that. But are you willing to do what God is leading you to do? If you prayed earlier and you said, God, speak to my heart, and then he spoke to your heart, are you willing then to take what he spoke and go, okay, God, I'm going to do something with it? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Listen, that's the first step. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. He loves you. He gave his life for you. All he wants you to do is recognize that you're in need of him, a sinner in need of a savior, and he's that savior. And right where you're at, you can ask God. You can say to him, I I believe, and put your faith and trust in him. Maybe you're here today and, and you've done that. And you've gotten away from storing up the word of God in your heart, but you realize, I need, to do, I need to get back to that. I need to be doing that. I don't know. I don't know what decision you need to make. I don't know what it is you need to do. It's not a matter of you being accountable to me. It's a matter of you and God. So what's God telling you? So in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing just as I am. And uh, I wonder, are you willing to come? come to the Lord, whether it's literally coming down the aisle and talking to one of us or or just right where you're going to be standing in a minute. Are you willing to talk to God, willing to do business with Him? Father, thanks. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care deeply for us. No matter what we've done, no matter how far we may feel like we're away from you, thank you that it just takes one step to get back. So God, I pray that right now in this moment, we would be willing to take that step, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you're leading us to do, help us to be willing to do it. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's sing this song.